the idea of rest is good. The risk did not in any way bite them last year. It could have. This year, they pushed further in terms of fewer spring training innings for these guys. Uh, and so you saw the risk, you know, be realized, manifest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 211 of the Red Sox Beat Podcast on CLNS Media leading online provider of audio and video coverage of Major League Baseball. I'm the brand new host of this podcast, Chris Cattillo from MassLive.com. Talked to John Zanis last week on here. We kind of introduced that I'm going to be doing this from now on. Hope to provide some insight and analysis better than that of Evan Drellick, who is our first guest in the uh, Chris Cattillo Red Sox beat era. Evan, how are you? Minor League Signings McGee. How are you, Chris? I'm good. That is Evan's nice nickname for me that he developed last year after um, had a streak of being only able to break some minor league things, nothing on the major league level, nothing quite like the Xander Bogarts extension that unemployed Evan broke last week. That's Rob Bradford's name for Evan, not mine. So um, if it sounds insulting, blame that on Rob Bradford. So anyway, have you been uh, keeping up with the Reds? Based on Twitter, it seems like you have been keeping up with the Red Sox, even though you're not actively covering them. Yeah, um, I've been I've been watching the uh, the local nine. I've been I've been keeping up because I have been doing radio, uh, and so it's good. It is actually good to know what you're talking about on the radio to some extent. Uh, so it's important that you you stay up on them. But I am also hoping to be gainfully and full time employed uh, sometime in the near future. So yes, I I am aware of what is going on with the Red Sox. Through the lenses of Nesson, uh, microphones of WEI, and, and all the fine, fine beat reporting that the likes of you do. That's that's very much appreciated. So do you think that not being there every day, not being there for spring training, and then this first 11-game trip, have you been able to kind of gain a different view of this team after being with them for the last couple of years? Honestly, it probably leaves more questions in my mind than anything, because I'll watch things and I'll watch games and you know I'll see interviews and I'll be like, oh, I wonder about that. You know, so not being out there, I don't have the privilege of uh, uh, of inquiring about s- certain things. So it, it maybe if anything, it creates a little bit more not confusion, but um, there there are definitely things that I'm like, oh, I wonder about that, but I just you know I'm not there. So I, I don't know about a, a different perspective. You know, sometimes watching a game on TV is actually better though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you can you can see more of of the pitching action right. than than otherwise. What are some of the questions that you've had that you haven't been able to ask so far? There's there've been some like specific in game things that I would have wanted to know like a little bit more about. Um, but you know, I mean, you know how these post game scrums go. It it, it can be it, everybody's trying to get them in. You don't want to drag out the thing too long. If the team wins, uh, often you kind of save the more particular stuff for the next day uh, rather than kind of hammering on on a play that didn't necessarily matter. But, you know, I'm an odd guy. Like I, I, you know, the the Blake Swihart at bat to me is fascinating. I'm giving you a storyline. You should go after this. Uh, The fact that he let not pinch hitting Mookie there, which, which would have gotten John Farrell killed. Uh, It could have gotten Cora uh, in some, you know, uh, media hot water. if, If they had lost that game, if the Diamondbacks had come back, but right. a question of, so I think he was doing it for buy-in, you know, because you want to show trust in your guys. The same reason uh, he he lost a game in Oakland last year with Mookie Betts on deck, which, you know, is almost, that's, they won this game, so it didn't matter. But uh, there was a game last year where, where Christian Vasquez batted in a key situation and, bet, you know, Betts was on deck and it's like, 
you, you didn't use bets. Um, but I, my feeling is he was probably doing with that with Vasquez. I think I later asked him about it down the road, but uh, same thing with Slyhart is a bit of, you know, confidence. Like, Hey, you're my guy. You started catcher and Slyhart's been swinging a hot bat. I'm letting right. you hit. So like how much value do you put on the confidence versus, well, the best statistical play to win this game is to use Mookie in this situation. And obviously assuming that Betts, you know, wasn't dealing with something that they didn't want him to hit like physically that we didn't know about. Um, so yeah, little stuff like that, uh, as a, as a recent example of something that I was wondering about. I think core has been really clear in a year plus now that he's more about the long haul than I think your normal manager. And he's not going to chase wins if it changes you know, his relationships with players or the development. Yeah, of the but, but, but how much, how much does that change a relationship? If you pinch hit for Blake Swihart right there, uh, like, I, well, guess I, think, I think the positive of, of letting him hit outweighs, you know, the negative does, of it, does you... it actually? I mean, see, that's that's why it's an interesting discussion because right. when you're talking about bases loaded, two out, ninth inning, literally the kind of last chance you'll have with bets, and mm-hmm. also the reigning American League MVP, you don't you don't kind of get as extreme a situation as having Mookie Betts available to pinch hit. You know, we're not talking about like I don't know Lenny Harris, maybe a little too young for the Lenny Harris's of the world, but um, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're not talking about a pinch hit extraordinaire. You're talking about arguably the best player in baseball. So, it, you know, then how much confidence did it create? Would Swihart have actually been unhappy as a guy who didn't play for two months last year? You know, so. I think that yeah, could be that's part- what I like to do. I like to pull things apart, you know, and right. go, go through the yarns of baseball a little this bit. This is what we're all missing so much. I think the Swihart not playing last year, not having a role in that team really, and especially again in October, kind of might give Cora even more reason to stick with him in that situation and um you know realize that you know this could do something big for this kid's confidence we went with him over Sandy Leone who is the darling of the pitching staff as everybody knows and everybody's tweeted in the last couple weeks and uh, I think Cora recognized that hey we didn't give this kid any opportunities last year we might as well do it in a big spot he's earned it so far with his performance so that's probably the rationale but we will never know because you weren't there to ask the tough questions you do not have <laughs> your baseball writer's card stripped from you because you're unemployed. So will you be appearing at Fenway uh, during this homestand or I guess next 16 out of 21 or at home? Will we see you around there? Uh, the only reason I would go to Fenway is if somebody wants to give me a ticket and go as a fan or if for some reason for work. So for actually, I do know when I'll be at Fenway uh, Saturday. I have a radio program with Mark uh, with a C James who likes to create nicknames for people. Uh, that is being broadcast from the Old Dominion Freightline Studio at, uh, center, in center field at Fenway Park. Uh, a little WEI outpost over there. So if I'm there... A lot, a lot on the plate for Dr. Charles Steinberg this week because now he has to do that video tribute on Saturday for you <laughs> in addition to the ring ceremony for tomorrow. Uh, yeah, so. That one in your back pocket, didn't you? I don't, I don't know if Dr. Charles is still doing these things, but uh, you might know better than me. We'll find out tomorrow, I guess. I mean... If you look at this team, getting back to what we're supposed to talk about instead of insulting each other here, are you just shocked by this 3-8 and eight record? Are you? I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're all shocked by how it happened, the bullpen being strong, the lineup being up and down, and the starters being horrendous. I think it's almost impossible to see, but you're the kind of person that would say, as some have, that the way they did things in spring training could lead to this. I mean, 
I wrote it last year, right? Like like when when they were three and one, and then I and I went back to it again and later in April. Like, well, when they when they did this plan in spring training and going into the season last year and and resting position players as a part of it as well last year, the idea of rest is good. It's an inexact science. Like they're they're ultimately guessing at how many spring training starts a guy needs, how many days off a guy needs early in the season, and they're kind of trying to find the fine line between making sure you're good and competitive and also making sure these guys are fresh. So the idea is strong and good. And in this age of baseball, they get, we know how taxing the season can be as beat writers. You know, we certainly go through the same level of physical exertion as the major league baseball players. We, the concept is nice and it's smart, but there was always a risk associated with it. The risk did not in any way bite them last year. It could have, this year, they pushed further in terms of fewer spring training innings for these guys. Uh, and so you saw the risk, you know, be realized, manifest. I'm not surprised by it because I literally was writing about the trade-off of it last year. You pull out to a huge April lead. They had the best. They had everything go right last year. We know that. Uh, yep. Banking wins for that early. Three, three game sweep in Tampa in August. That was the only, the only blip. Yeah, well, now, now you've cracked the door open for the Rays. But uh, having a big lead in April makes makes it easier going forward because you have other teams looking up at you. You've got the comfort of a lead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's always better to play in front. I do think that's true when you talk to teams that have been in that position. You know, guys always say that. Uh, so that's a little bit out the window now. And the other thing is you're saving them for later in the year. And you might have had no choice because they pitched so late into the season and they were taxed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but by now kind of inherently putting yourself in a position where you're not going to run away with it. Like it would be very surprising if they ended up blowing out the division or kind of comfortably winning the division. I think now you're guaranteed a pennant race. The rest you gain now, you're going to, you're instead of kind of saving them for October and maybe resting them a little bit in September, you're probably going to have to, uh, go pedal to the metal in September. So it ends up being a gamble of, you know, when you have to push them. And probably coming off that postseason, you'd rather push them later rather than sooner. Um, and if you want to get really twisted with it, you could you can kind of argue that if the Red Sox improved their bullpen last year, like how, how are you going to argue about what they did? They won the World Series. But mm. if they had improved their bullpen last year, would they have had to use the starters quite as much? And would they have then had to rest them quite as much going into this year? I bet they would have done the same plan. But um, you know, there's a lot of ripple effects it, w- it, w- it was foreseeable if they started losing, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, Oh my God, how could this not have worked? It could have not worked last year too. But it, I think it did. It did you work know, to, to that point. If you have Chris sale come down with shoulder issues again, or, you know, you've reported about MRIs being clean as much as he doesn't want it out there. You know, you, you had it, I, I believe at the winter meetings and you know, the Red Sox obviously were comfortable enough with it to sign him to an extension. But if he deals with something again, July, August, you're not going to have the luxury probably of being able to, you know, work him back, giving him spring training in September again. I think that's a big piece of this. Or if someone else you want to bring them back slowly, you're probably not going to have that eight, nine, 10 game cushion you did a year ago because of this start. Um, and so I think the ripple effects are definitely there. What have you thought of the bullpen? And, uh, so well, far? and also, well, and, uh, and it goes into the bullpen too, because you, you have mm-hmm. a bullpen that's a little bit unproven. Um, and you, you've already seen it. So if you don't you rely on the starters early in the season, who do you rely on? The relievers. That's why you have Hector Velasquez starting games. That's why you have Marcus. If anybody had Marcus Walden going two innings in uh, game 11, you know, t- uh, take Chris Cattell to Vegas with you because 
you know, who, who would have seen that so early? We know the opening day roster doesn't last, but right. yeah, there's a lot that gets affected uh, uh, with, with something like this. Uh, the bullpen, what, not much to complain about. You know, Chris Smith and I argue over who loves Hector Velasquez more. Um, mm-hmm. Colton Brewers looked pretty good. Matt Barnes was good last year, and, and the one pitfall the guy had was walks, and he hasn't seemed to run into too much trouble there. So, you know, there's another gamble that so far is paying off. You know, it's all about gambles. So it's just a game of gambles. It's a gamble that they've run, obviously, since since last year, and a lot of people pounded them for not signing anybody over the offseason, no, not trading for anybody at the deadline, no waiver deals, anything like that. And I guess kind of what I think is until we're proven wrong by a bullpen implosion in a huge spot, which didn't happen in October, didn't really happen down the stretch, hasn't happened so far. I guess we have to trust these guys, you know, so. Uh, no, 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 so no, we don't, we don't have to trust anybody. We, we can still well, objectively that's, that's look at cynic it. That's that you are, Evan. Cynic or realist? Because you get away with it one year, doesn't mean you'll get away with it this year. But like, but you know, the gamble this year isn't, it's understandable. So clearly they, they had an amount of money they could spend. It was a choice of Avaldi or not Avaldi and having other relievers. They they felt rightly that it's harder to find a guy like Avaldi than it is relievers. Yep. So if the bullpen has trouble, the team is expected and projected to be good enough that you can probably weather a little bit of a drop off of the bullpen. We won't be quite as good as last year. You know that going in. And then, you know, come midseason, what does it cost to get a reliever at the deadline? Usually a B prospect, and they don't have any problems giving up B prospects. They've given up as many as they possibly can at this point. So it was, the calculation there on their part is kind of easy to see. It, you know, it's like, well, if this works, cool. If it doesn't, we'll pay later. The only, the only objection there is why give up a prospect when you could just give up money in the offseason? But clearly, from an ownership perspective at this point, they would rather just give up the money I'd rather give up the prospect than give up more money. And, and you know, is it, can you blame them for it? They already have the highest payroll in baseball, spent a lot of, they spent a lot more, more than other teams. So, you know, that's the whole other economics discussion. Here, here's one thing that's not talked about enough when it comes to the bullpen. I feel like everybody, except who you refer to as my buddy, Chris Smith, uh, nobody talks about this, about how good Ty Buttry has been for the Angels since he was traded for Ian Kinsler. Oh, Ian you're going to see a lot of this kind of stuff. I mean, what's Moncada been doing so far? Yeah, but I think that trade... Esp- Espinoza's yeah. is coming back. I, I'm not saying you don't make this trade, but... No, I understand. I'm it, just it's saying more, this, it's this more is the general, it, Well, it, the, the general philosophy of giving up the prospects hurts in the immediacy because they are currency, and you do eventually run out of the currency. The individual trades are kind of all fine. But it's when you put it in the collective and you see that every deal they've made is giving up young talent and never, uh, you know, kind of flipping some, I don't know, let's just take Jackie Bradley as an example. You didn't take Jackie Bradley and flip him for a couple guys who are, you know, uh, I don't know, two years of service time or something like whatever it might be. You know, he, he was a topic of the winter meetings. He right. came up. Uh, I mm-hmm. think the, the report that he was, as I was told, uh, it was not as close with Arizona as it was made out to be, but mm-hmm. you know, so they they did they looked around on this somewhat, but it's it's very much the mo of Dave Dombrowski to kind of go with the established player that's in front of them, pay them, um, you know, even if he's not giving out Miguel Cabrera money anymore, rather than kind of uh, you know find a balance point between future and present. So at some point, does that uh, you know smack them in the face a little bit? But hey, they won the World Series, so. Yeah, that that's that's like the real forward thinking topic this year is 
um, you know, what is the future plan for this organization? Is it kind of keeping on this path or, or do, uh, you know, can you just kind of keep adding uh, at the major league level with established people or do you have to restock a little bit in some way and get creative, et cetera? Right. I mean, I, I get back to that future plan because I think that's obviously become much more clear in the last two, three weeks with the extensions than of who they wanted to target, who they knew they could get a deal done with. But it's kind of still in that bullpen topic. This Kimbrel thing, I think, you know, Kimbrel and Keichel, two guys that you know, are, are both guys that Evan Durell covered. So maybe that's why they're still out there. But what is going on with Craig Kimbrel? He's not coming to the Red Sox ring ceremony tomorrow. Is his price still sky high from what you've heard? Is it just a lack of a market? I mean, the Brewers seem like a perfect fit. The injuries they have, the Braves seem like a perfect fit with the familiarity and everything there. Washington, it just seems like at some point, one of these sides has to give in a little bit. That might be an oversimplification, but no. Well, I just I don't quite know who to blame in this situation because I, I you know, the, the sense around baseball was uh, that the price, the asking price, was kind of you know absurdly high. Basically, mm-hmm. that it, that that kind six, of for six, too long. Six years, a hundred million at the winter meeting. Well, the, yeah, the and, and, well, it, even if that was tossed out initially, fine. You know, but mm-hmm. were, were were they really sticking to that? You know, it the the the, the offers that have existed for Craig Kimball kind of remarkably haven't really leaked out, mm-hmm. um, which I don't his know. His agent, David Meter is, seems to be playing this one really, really close. And, you know, uh, even, even when you do hear teams interested, it's more of a speculative thing, whether it be Minnesota, Milwaukee, Washington, Atlanta, all these teams, I think it's been really quiet, more quiet than we've seen with a lot of free agents over the years. So I, I do agree with that. Kimberl said he told Sam Kennedy he doesn't want to be a distraction by not coming tomorrow. Do you think that there's, you know, that's, I don't know, would you have a reaction to that decision? I mean, if they didn't want distractions, then Gronkowski's first uh, public appearance since retiring probably wouldn't be on the same day as the ring ceremony. I, I but... think it's got to be a little bit of pride. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll just put myself in Kimberl's shoes. Like, you know, it's like, I don't got a job, you know, like, I don't I, I, Everybody's going to want to uh, get a quote from Kimbrell. Hey, what's going on with your market? Like, yeah, he, he was never he was never like a spotlight hog to begin with. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it it'd be nice if he was there, but I think you can understand from his perspective, uh, kind of the like pride and you know, hey, you know, like if he was on a team right now, he, there's no way he's there. So. It's it's just a it'd be Derek, a little Derek Lowe came in two thousand five Evan remember uh, that which, as a member we, of the Dodgers so we can't we can't all be uh, Derek Lowe I guess I don't, I, you know it's I true. it doesn't surprise me that Kimbrel's like screw that you know and mm. I, I don't I don't I don't want to be there for that circus um, you know I'll get my ring love my teammates um, and that's that you know so it, it's more understandable that he's not going to be there than where's Belichick and Brady maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some info on that at some point but. I don't know what what your uh, what your quarterback and your coach are up to that they can't be bothered to go to Fenway. And your owner, he's he's obviously dealing with some other things right now. But that uh, one makes sense. That one's yeah. logical. Dan Roach says uh, Edelman, Gronk, Stephon Gilmore, the McCordys. So won't be a terrible turnout tomorrow. So you're saying that you would not go to the hypothetical NBC Sports Boston ring ceremony? <laughs> no, I probably yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, what, what is that the championship of exactly? Um, I don't know if they give out Art personnel ag- 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 aggregation awards at this point, but um, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think I think John Zanis and I will be first in line. <laughs> John Zanis and I will be first in line. So, <laughs> I, I mean, going back, we're just talking about the future of this team. Sale signs an extension. Bogart signs an extension. I think an interesting piece of that for those of us who work as reporters, I think a lot of us um, really respected this out of you to actually give you some credit for once in your life, and it will never happen again. Mm. We were sitting in the Seattle yeah. press box after the game, and you dropped that scoop of of Bogarts, you know, being close to an extension to something you'd reported on over the winter before. I've, as someone, you know, minor league signings McGee, uh, as someone who's broken some minor league signings in the past, there is this kind of good feeling that you got something first. And I was just kind of wondering when that happened, is it more of a, I don't know, is it a vindicating feeling that, okay, I was you know laid off, parted ways, whatever, and now I have this big story and I was able to beat a bunch of people who are all at the ballpark for opening day. Um, whether it's that or just do you feel like a really good resume piece as you look for your next job? It's kind of, was it different than other scoops you've gotten in the past? I don't know if people are interested in this, but I am, so that's why I'm asking. Uh, I mean, in terms of like magnitude, it's pretty high up there in the in the scoops I've had. I mean, I've, yeah, I've had some other contract stuff before, but but that that was relatively large. Um, yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a little bit of a, a feeling of well, oh, look at me now, you know, uh, uh, all American rejects. Hope it gives you hell, type of thing. Um, Maybe you can mix that song, and I don't know if you have the rights to play that on, on CLNS. But um, when you see my face, I'll be get, you know how it goes. It's good. Uh, what's the other? Definitely not the, like the that. No, but it's also a little bit of a feeling of like, yeah, what else can I do? Right? Like, like, all right. If 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 that doesn't do it, combined with my track record, uh, you know, ten, I mean, basically ten years of reporting or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, when I was your predecessor. At Mass Live, if you want to call it that, my starting point, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, it's a little bit of like, all right, like I'm showing, you know, yeah, it, it was a sense of showing people, hey, I'm still here, hey, I'm good, uh, just you know, just a reminder. Um, so, I guess, I guess to answer, I guess the answer to your question is both things, you know, but it, mm-hmm. it not 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 as much on the petty side as more on the like non petty side, you know. Great, that's your wordsmith, Evan. Can't take that away from you. Um, Am I getting paid for this? (laughs) I think, you know, for me, I think it's it's interesting that you still kind of would have pursued that or actively tried to, and that's not the only thing. I mean, Walden getting called up the other day or Leon being on waivers, stuff like that, that we've noticed. You know, obviously you have the WEI stuff still, but I don't know. I think a lot of people in kind of that in-between phase necessarily wouldn't still actively be trying to to break that kind of stuff with a team that they're not actively covering so i guess what why have you decided to even on the nitty-gritty stuff leon being on waivers i kind of think is the better example there why have you decided that you know you really want to still be involved there well i'd like a job uh yeah yeah, you know i think that's a tough (laughs) question that might be the uh the uh the, the motivating factor there but like you know, you once you've been around the game a little while, Chris knows this is your first first year in the real world. Uh, you know, you get to know some people, and, and some sometimes people, you know, uh, so these things start to come a little more naturally as opposed mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, 
necessarily scoops start to come to you a little bit. You know, it right. doesn't mean you're not working for it, but you build relationships and uh, relationships can can pay off in different ways. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, th- I think that's just a benefit of having been around a little bit and people respecting the work I've done, you know, that, that they still feel like I'm I'm the guy or a guy, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's nice. Yeah, definitely. So it's probably no, no firm updates you can give the, the Red Sox beat crowd here, but how are things going on on the job search now that you've had a couple notches in, in your belt that you probably didn't even need with Bogarts? And I mean, that Marcus Walden scoop the other day, really, if that, if that doesn't yeah. get you a job, then I don't know what will. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I'm with you. Um, how's the job search going? Uh, more slowly than I would have thought, but it's mm-hmm. moving. You know, I think, you know, there, there seems to be some activity. I don't know exactly what it'll uh, produce, but it, it does seem to be moving a little bit. Is how's, it, that for, how's that for a total non-answer? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm hoping hoping next couple of weeks something something works out, but I, I don't know what. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I think obviously the timing of this whole thing is is less than ideal for a baseball writer. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I mean, look, there's been movement in spring training, and there, there always is some movement in spring training, but mm-hmm. uh, um, you'd rather have the winter if if you can. So right. yes, that's that is an accurate observation, uh, young Chris. Thank you, Evan. All right. Well, this has been uh, actually much better than anticipated on on the first round, especially with someone like Evan Drellick as our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Evan Drellick. You can guess on the spelling because I don't want to give it to you. And uh, hopefully, you know, in all seriousness, Evan is able to find something soon. He obviously deserves it. Until then, he'll be scooping the rest of us who are still uh, on the beat and uh, sending a bunch of reporters in the press box into a tizzy, if that's still a phrase people use. Um, post-game on a Sunday, uh, after the game, everybody's running down to the clubhouse because Evan, sitting somewhere back in Massachusetts, just beat us all on probably the biggest Red Sox story of the year. So good job on that, Evan. Thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. Hopefully we will see you this weekend at Fenway or somewhere in that general neighborhood.